Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. In honor of Valentine's Day, this week's podcast is an episode of the Screen Guild Theater. It's the radio adaptation of Love Affair. It first aired on January 5th, 1941. Adeline Carroll, Melvin Douglas. Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Your host, the director of the star's own theater, Roger Pryor. Good evening, everyone. Your neighborhood good Gulf dealer and the Gulf Oil Companies welcome you to the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. Tonight, the Gulf Theater brings you two more outstanding motion picture stars, Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas, in Leo McCary's beautiful screen story, Love Affair. Our stars will be on the stage in just a moment, and while we're all waiting for Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas, here's a young man with a host of friends who has a word to say about that good old American custom of visiting. All right, bud. During the winter months, we all use our cars a lot to go visiting in the evening. And, of course, when you do go visiting, your car is often left standing out in the cold for hours, which means you may have plenty of trouble getting started. Ah, but not if you're set with Gulf's quick-starting twins, Gulf Pride motor oil in your crankcase, and Gulf no-knox gasoline in your gas tank. Because you'll find Gulf Pride motor oil always free-flowing, always ready to help your motor turn over the instant you step on the starter. And Gulf No-Knox gasoline is so highly refined that it fires in a flash, even in stone-cold cylinders. In addition, that same team, Gulf Pride and Gulf No-Knox, give you extra protection and extra good engine performance after your car is warmed up. So make sure your car won't let you down. Stop at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc and get Gulf Pride motor oil and Gulf No-Knox gasoline, the perfect quick-starting team. Ladies and gentlemen, that burst of applause is for Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas, who have just made their entrance on our Gulf Theater stage. They take their places at the microphone, and we present Love Affair, adapted by Harry Cronman, and starring Madeline Carroll as Terry McKay and Melvin Douglas as Michael Morney. I'll appear as Kenneth, Terry's fiancé. The music will be by Oscar Bradley's Gulf Orchestra with Frank Tours conducting. And now, Love Affair. Sometimes it's the moon that plays pranks with a girl's heart. Sometimes it's soft music. Yes, and sometimes it's just a little breeze. Take Terry McKay, for example. Everything that happened to her came in on the wind. There she was on the boat from Rio to New York, minding her own business, in her own cabin, as a matter of fact, when a piece of paper came floating in through the open window. Quite naturally, Terry picked it up, discovered it was a cablegram. And quite humanly, she was reading it when a man looked in through the stateroom window. Huh? I believe you're reading my cablegram. The wind blew it out of my hand. Oh, this is addressed to Michael Mornay. How do I know it's yours? Well, I'm Michael Mornay. 
Don't tell me you're the fella. Yes, The I... international playboy, the curly-headed Casanova that Winchell's what? always talking about. Um... The one that's going up to New York to marry Lois Clark, who's got $10 million. Eleven. Now, if you'll hand me my cablegram. Just a minute. You haven't identified yourself yet. Can you tell me what the message says? Well... It's frightfully personal. <laughs> well, it, it says, Remembering a warm, beautiful night, a thunderstorm over Lake Como, and you. And you. That's you? Uh-huh. It was all right, huh? Uh-huh. It was nice? Uh-huh. Think it'll ever take the place of baseball? <laughs> Here's your cablegram. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Just a moment. I beg your pardon, but... Oh, it's you. What's the matter? Did you lose it again? Look, I'm in trouble. Serious trouble. Well, I could have told you playing around Lake Como, the poor girl. No, listen, I must talk to someone. And you have an honest face. I'm sure I can trust you. Uh, we could go to my cabin. It's very close. Mine's closer. In fact, it's right here. Oh, thank you. Oh, this is very cozy. Not that I'm prudish. It's just that Mother told me never to enter a man's room in months ending in awe. <laughs> Your mother must have been very beautiful. What's your name? Terry McKay. Terry McKay, and I'm traveling alone. Well, you saved my life, you know. I was bored to death. I haven't seen one attractive girl on this boat since we left. Not one. Honestly, I was scared. I said to myself, don't beautiful women travel anymore? And then I saw you, and it was all right. My, my. And with a line like that, you won Lois Clark and $10 million. Eleven. You know, we, uh, we still have eight days before we get to New York. Eight days for life to be bright and lovely. Beautiful and bubbly like pink champagne. Is there any reason why it shouldn't be? None at all. Except that I'm engaged. Oh. Is that his picture on the dresser? Yes, that's Kenneth. He's nice, hmm? Uh-huh. He's all right. Uh-huh. But he wouldn't approve of uh, pink champagne. Uh. No. I suppose if I asked you to have dinner with me, you'd say no. And if I said yes? Oh, well, then I'd ask you again tomorrow night. And the night after that. And every night until we reach New York. It's lovely on deck at night, isn't it? Yes, it is. Michael, how many times have we had dinner together? Oh, twice, three times. Why? Don't you like it? I know just how a goldfish feels. It's your reputation, I guess. Have you noticed them, the way they stared at us? Oh, they don't matter. Let's not even talk about them. Let's talk some more about you. Let me see, where were we? You'd left Kansas and you'd gone to New York, and then? And then a job, singing in a nightclub till three every morning. Then the manager used to chase me around his office till about four. <laughs> then I went home, and one night Kenneth came along. Oh, yeah. He said I didn't belong in a place like that. He said... Mm -hmm, that you should improve yourself. Yeah. So I studied and traveled. Mm hmm So that someday you'd be a charming, lovely wife. Exactly. Well, that sort of brings us up to date. I've only known you a couple of days, and my whole life's an open book. Now, what about you? Oh, nothing much. I play the piano, and I write a little. Corbet, you know, the art dealer in mm -hmm. New York. Corbet tells me I paint rather well. A jack of all talents. Yes, that's <laughs> trouble. I'm also a critic. The artist in me would create. The critic destroys. 
so I do nothing. What a pity. Besides, I've been too busy living. I can imagine. Michael, when do we get to Havana? Tomorrow morning. We stop there, don't we? Mm-hmm, 24 hours. Then I'm going to do a little living, too. Sloppy Joe's and the Roomba places and the big hotels. And, and we'll have and... pink champagne in every one of them. <laughs> too cold to stay on deck. I haven't noticed. This shawl you got me in Havana keeps me warm. Dreaming? No, just looking at you. That shawl around your shoulders. The moonlight on your hair. It's a picture I don't want to forget. Terry. Terry, do you believe if, if you wish long enough in your mind... And strong enough in your heart. You get what you want for Christmas? Yes. We'll get in in the morning. Will Kenneth be waiting? Uh-huh. I got a radiogram. How about your heiress? Yes, you'll be there too, I guess. If we have something on our minds, we'd better tell it now. Yes. You know, I've never worked in all my life. Not once. I've been thinking about that. What did you say? I didn't say anything. You did, too. You you said I was very fond of expensive things. Furs and jewels and things. Did I say that? I guess we've both been used to a life of pink champagne. It might be difficult to... Do you like beer? Beer? Why, yes, I do. I but... know. My father used to say, it's funny how the things you like best are either illegal, immoral, or fattening. <laughs> I wonder what your father would think of me. Never working. Well, just because you haven't. No, it doesn't mean I couldn't. No, of course not. But I might not find out all at once. It might take me at least six months to find out if I could... What? I mean, after all, it's unfair to ask you to take a chance. What are you trying to say, Michael? I'm trying to say it, it would take me six months to find out if, if I'm worthy to say what's in my heart. Hoping you'd say that. If everything goes all right for both of us, six months. That'd be July. July, yes. Michael, have you got a pencil? Yes. Then write this down. Write it carefully so there won't be any mistake. Darling. Darling? Is that for me? Uh-huh. Darling, July 1st, 5 o'clock, 102nd floor, top of the Empire State Building. It's the tallest building in the world, Michael. You can't miss it. The nearest thing to heaven in New York. No, Michael, please. Please don't kiss me now. We've both got a lot to do in the next six months. It'll be a long, hard climb to the top of the Empire State. Let's wait till we get there. February. I've ever known, Kenneth. I'm sorry to have hurt you. But, but... Terry, you can't be in love with this Michael Mornay. He's notorious. How do you know he isn't making a fool of you? I only know I'm to meet him on top of the Empire State Building at 5 o'clock July 1st. Well, all right, but while you're going through this six-month period of insanity, would you let me take care of you? No, I've got a job on my own. Find myself, just as he's doing. Oh, Terry, can't you see I'm in love? Yes, Kenneth, but so am I. March. 
What has become of the dashing Michael Mornay? Why, shortly after his arrival from Rio was the engagement between him and Lois Clark, heiress to the Clark million, suddenly terminated. Numerous rumors have reached your correspondent's desk, but all of them, when run to earth, have proven... April. You're the only nightclub in town that's doubled its business in the last month. Can't be your dinner, so it must be Terry McKay's singing. Yeah, I sure wish I had a name and a long-term contract. The one I got expires at midnight, June 30th. May. Come on, come on, Corvey. Don't be afraid of my feelings. Out with it. Is my picture good or bad? It is good, Michael. Keep on working, and perhaps one day I will say this is a great picture by the great Michael Monet. This is the beginning. This is June. I'll take this gown. He loves blue. I'd like to see some wedding rings. June 20th, 10 days. The 25th. The 30th. This afternoon. The Empire State Building, 5 o'clock. I'll be there, darling. I'll be there. Two minutes to five, ma'am. I'm late. That's the Empire State across the way, ma'am. I'll just pull across the street. No, I think I'll save time if I get out here. Cutting across traffic like this, you sure must be in a hurry. I am. I'm going to be married. Say that swell. Good luck. Thank you. Look out, lady. Good heaven. Last stop, 102nd floor, observation balcony. This car going down. Say, son, what time have you got? Nine o'clock on the nose. Say, you've been up here over four hours, haven't you? Yes, I'm waiting for someone. Stand up, huh? That's tough. It's starting to rain, too. Well, that's the way it goes. Express car at the main floor, going down. Going down, mister? Yes. I think I am. <laughs> Curtin arrives on Act Two of Love Affair in just a moment. Meanwhile, Bud Heaston goes slightly nautical and says, When a ship captain sets off on a voyage to the South Seas, folks, he has a chart to tell him where he's going. And it's the same way with your good golf dealer when he starts the job of golf flexing your car. Not only does he have those special golf flex lubricants, but he also has complete diagrams and specifications telling him exactly what points to lubricate and which of the five different golf flex lubricants to use. Naturally, he'll give you winter-grade lubricants all around, for instance, in your differential and transmission, so that even in the coldest weather, your gears will work smoothly and easily. As for the chassis, well, he'll go flex that so that your car will steer easily and ride quietly and gently. So now that winter is here, now that proper lubrication is so important, stop at the sign of the Gulf Orange Disc and put your car in the hands of a man who knows just how to lubricate it, your neighborhood good golf dealer. Now back to Terry and Michael and Kenneth 
and the poignant story of love affair. Several months have passed. Michael, not knowing of Terry's accident, was hurt and completely disillusioned when she didn't keep their appointment. A short time later, he sailed for Havana. As our story resumes, Terry is out of the hospital, but still far from recovered, still unable to walk. On a chilly autumn afternoon, we find her bundled up in her wheelchair and sitting in the window of her poorly furnished room. Thank you so much for the flowers and the book. Oh, no, they're nothing. Terry, please, won't you listen to reason and let me do what I want to do for you? No, Kenneth, thank you. But, but it I... isn't right for you to have to live in an out-of-the-way place like this. It's the best I can afford. But I have plenty of money. Won't you let me lend you enough so that you can move to a better neighborhood? That's very sweet of you, but I couldn't let you. You've done too much for me already. All right, we won't talk about it anymore. But if the time ever comes when you want to change your mind, well, all you have to do is yell. I will. Oh, I, uh... I saw a mention of Michael Morney in the paper the other day. He's still in Havana. Yes. I read it, too. Look, I want you to be happy more than anything else in the world. Will you let me cable him? No. Not unless I can walk to him. And when I say walk, Ken, I mean run. I just can't see myself going down the aisle a piggyback bride, wagging my veil behind me. Terry, I talked to the doctor this morning. What did he say? Well... Don't lie to me, Ken. Will I ever walk again? He said if you're a very, very good girl and you keep on improving, you'll make another examination right after Christmas and there might be a chance. Christmas? Oh, I know that's a long time. Quite no time at all. Honestly, the way I feel it, it's practically Christmas already. Michael. Michael, you look wonderful. But what brings you back to New York? Well, it's Christmas Eve, Corvey. I couldn't stand a Christmas without snow. Did you get those canvases I shipped you? Are you blind, Michael? They're cluttering up my whole place. <laughs> you didn't waste these six months in Havana. Hmm. You should see how many I threw over the cliff. <laughs> and I can read what was in your mind when you painted every one of these. This one. You were very sorry for yourself when you painted this. Yeah, that's right. That was painted in August. And this one, so violent. You were angry here. You are getting over your broken heart. No. No, I didn't get over it, Kobe. But I had to learn to live with it. Yeah. Uh, but that other one, the, the girl with the lace shawl, there you became a painter. Yes, I'm not exactly ashamed of that one. And the effect you got with the moonlight on her hair. Oh, dear, where did you find a model like that? I didn't use a model. You didn't? I didn't need one. I had a lot to say. I tried to paint it instead. So? Yes. Yeah. If it comes through that way on the canvas, Michael. Uh, you know, there was a girl in here the other day. Uh, she saw it in the window. She said he spoke to her many things, beautiful things. She wanted it. I'm sorry, that's one I don't expect to sell. Mm. She couldn't afford it anyway. Why, is she poor? Yes, and besides, she was in a wheelchair. Her legs, I think. Oh. She liked it, huh? That painting she loved. Yeah, it's too bad, of course, but I have her address just in case. <laughs> oh, stop hinting, you old buzzard. <laughs> but you can send it to her. I, uh, I already have. Well, why are you... Are you not angry? Oh, no, no, of course not. 
Tomorrow's Christmas, Corbett. Oh, you're a good boy, Michael. And being away alone has helped you. Only you mustn't stay away too long. In New York, they forget you like that. <laughs> you turn around once and poof, even your name is gone from the telephone book. Oh, nonsense. No one even knew I was gone. I'll bet my name's still in the directory. Oh, wait, here's a book. Let's see if it is. I was just making a joke. Oh, no, no, I'm curious now. Let's see. K-L-M. Here we are. Mornay ought to be right near the top. McAdams, McBride. Why did they always put the MCs first? McFarlane, McGowan, Mac... What is it, Michael? Have you seen a ghost? McKay. Terry McKay. You're sure you'll be all right, Miss McKay? Perfectly all right. You know, Mrs. O'Reilly, you're the first landlady I ever had for a mother. Oh, go on, dear. <laughs> Is the couch comfortable? Soft as your heart. And the lap robe warm enough? Mm, just right. And I'll be up in a little while to help you to bed. Thank you. And if you'll be wanting anything before then, just rap on the floor. I will. Excuse me, I'm looking for Miss McKay. It's the door right there on the left, sir. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good evening. Michael. Hello, Terry. Michael, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. Are you feeling all right? Oh, yes, I, I'm just resting. Good. It's, it's been a long time. Yes. Yes, that's right. It's good to see you. Yes, you said that. May I? Yes, please. Sit down, Michael. Thank you. I'll bet you're wondering how I got here. Mm. Well, I was looking in the telephone book for a man named McBride. I saw the name Terry McKay. So I said to myself, could that be Terry McKay, my old friend? And it was. Yes. Then I said to myself, I haven't been very nice to Miss McKay. After all, I had an appointment with her one day. I didn't keep it. You did. So I said to myself, I must apologize. And here I am. That's sweet of you. I, I, I thought so. I, I've often wondered about you. You did, really? And you weren't angry because I wasn't there? You must have been at first. Well, yes, I was. First, I was furious. I said, he can't do this to me. Who does he think he is? Hmm. And then? Then I really got mad. You can just imagine standing up there. Yes. In the rain. Yes. And then what did you say to yourself? Then I said, why don't you go home and get tight? Oh, but you didn't do that. Didn't I? No. <laughs> well, maybe you took a little one every hour for about a month. Can you blame me? No, I should say not. The least I could have done was send you a note. Maybe by the time you thought of it, you didn't know where to reach me. But you swore that if you ever saw me again, you'd ask, didn't you? No. No, I remembered we said if we could make it, we'd be there. If one of us didn't show up, there must have been a darn good reason. Yes, but... And no questions asked. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I walked all the way up here. Two miles through the snow. 
just to wring your beautiful neck. <laughs> Instead, I can't even ask you why you weren't there. You knew that's why I came. Yes. It doesn't seem... No. I don't know what happens to me when I see you again. When I hold your hand. Oh. No wedding ring. No. Oh. I thought that maybe... No. Ken and I are just good friends. I didn't mean to offend you. You haven't, Michael. And... How is everything with you? Oh, you can ask questions. Uh-huh. Well, I thought everything was fine until I saw you. Now I don't know. I'm worried about the future. What will people think of me? They'll say, there goes Morney, the mad painter. There's something the matter with him. He doesn't like women. He won't even speak to him. Oh, yes, he sails the seven seas, and to every woman he meets, he says, where will you be in six months? And they're there? Yes, everywhere. Tall buildings, pyramids everywhere, waiting, waiting, waiting. And where is he? Waiting. <laughs> you want me to change the subject? Please. You're wearing my shawl. I remember you wore it that last night on the boat. I... I painted you like that. With that shawl. I wish you'd seen it. Corbe said it was my best. It doesn't matter. It's gone now. Gone? Yes, a girl came into Corbe's shop. She saw in the painting what I'd hoped you might see. So I told Corbe to give it to her. Did you? Yes. Oh, she was very poor, you see. So I said, send it to her, Corbe. Tomorrow's Christmas. Just like that. You... You're very generous, Michael. Well, after all, she liked it so much... She couldn't afford it. Besides, Corbet said she was in a wheelchair, that she couldn't... That she couldn't... What is it, Michael? What are you staring at? At that robe around your knees. Aren't you too warm? No. No, I'm quite comfortable. It, it, it was cold in here. And you haven't been very hospitable, Terry. Move from that couch... You might have shown me around your apartment. Yes, I know, Michael, but you see... I'm sure there must be another room, a bedroom, maybe. Michael, don't go in there! Why not, dear? I'm such an old friend. Surely you wouldn't want me to leave without... Michael! It's there. Oh, Terry. Terry, why didn't you tell me? Michael. Oh, God, if anything had to happen to one of us, why did it have to be you? Darling, don't look at me like that. Nobody thought it was my own. I was looking up at the 102nd floor. The nearest thing there was to him. Terry. Terry, darling. It's 12 o'clock. It's Christmas morning. Our Christmas morning. Terry. Do you remember what I told you once? If you wish long enough in your mind and strong enough in your heart, you'll get what you want for Christmas. Yes. And we will, Michael. 
I know we will. Because if you can paint, I can walk. Gentlemen, our stars, Madeline Carroll and Melvin Douglas, are taking a well-deserved bow for their splendid performances. An usher has just this minute handed a beautiful bouquet of roses across the footlights to Madeline and just look at her smile. You know, both Madeline and Melvin donated their performances this evening, as do all the stars who appear here in the Gulf Theater. And in return, Gulf has contributed generously to the Motion Picture Relief Fund to help the fund build a home a home to provide for the members of the picture industry who can no longer care for themselves. Next week, the Gulf Theater brings to the air for the first time one of the most stirring motion pictures of the year just passed. The love story that thrilled the nation, Waterloo Bridge. In the leading roles, we're proud to present, co-starred for the first time, Joan Fontaine and Brian Ahern. You saw Brian Ahern as the star of Hired Wife, and you saw Joan Fontaine's great performance in Rebecca. So be sure to listen to these two stars in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater next Sunday night. Brian Ahern and Joan Fontaine in Robert E. Sherwood's Waterloo Bridge. Until then, this is Roger Pryor saying good night, everyone, for your neighborhood Good Gulf Theater. Technicolor production, Virginia. Elva Douglas appears with the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. And as Roger said, don't forget to tune in next week at the same time for the Gulf Screen Guild Theater production of Waterloo Bridge, starring for the first time together on the air, Brian Ahern and Joan Fontaine. But Eastern speaking, this is the Columbia Broadcasting System. The Screen Guild Theater was a popular charity anthology series. It aired from 1939 to 1952. It featured some comedy and music, but its main draw was having big stars play in adaptations of popular current motion pictures, such as Destry Rides Again, Notorious, Rebecca, or in this case, Love Affair. The money generated by the show was used to help the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which maintained the motion picture country house for retired actors. It initially was heard on CBS from 1939 until 1948, continuing on NBC from 1948 to 1950. It was broadcast on ABC from 1950 to 1951 and returned to CBS on March of 1952. It aired under several different titles, including the Gulfstream Guild Show, the Gulf Screen Guild Theater, the Lady Esther Screen Guild Theater, and the Camel Screen Guild Theater. Actors on the series included all the big names, including Ethel Barrymore, Ingrid Bergman, Humphrey Bogart, Ga Gary Cooper, Bing Crosby, Betty Davis, and many more. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>